Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Coming to you from our 50,000-kilowatt radio station here in bucolic Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Adam Homey, your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says... Our listeners are business creators. We have entrepreneurs. We have small business owners. We have local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the strategists, the designers, and the assistants who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who just love to have your own hands on the levers as you run your own business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment. Explore our previous and upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show or click the big banner in the sidebar of our website. Fresh content is added every single week. We have well over 100 episodes. Every five-star rating helps us help more business creators just like you. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a segue, a very exciting segue that I think everybody needs to hear. Most of the topics on Business Creators Radio Show are about online marketing. We have copywriting. Uh, we've been running a track on social media. We have, uh, we have technical episodes sometimes. We talk about publishing your book, launching your product, persuasion, media and publicity. And underneath all of that is something that is extremely important. Whether or not you are currently an employer who has W-2 employees or the type of employees where they are a full-time employee and you need to pay taxes on that, or they're an independent contractor, a 1099, or they have a limited liability company to which you pay an invoice, this episode is something you really need to pay attention to and why I'm so excited to bring it to you. And we're going to talk about ready how to be ready to hire that great applicant, not so fast. Many of you have heard the phrase, hire slow, fire quick. And what we're going to talk about today is a look at the dangers waiting for employers and clients who do not perform background checks, including a walkthrough of the hall of horrors and the dangers awaiting for employers who do perform background checks. And to share that with us today, we have Sandy Steinman of Background Check Express or excuse me, Background Checks Express. And just to tell you a little bit about Sandy before we bring him on here, uh, he has nearly a half century of successful business experience. Much of that time as a small business turnaround expert. He began his business career with a certified public accounting firm, which ultimately merged into KPMG. He's held several C-level positions in finance and administration with both public and private corporations. And in the mid-1970s, he bought Bonanza, excuse me, he joined Bonanza International, an operator and franchiser of steakhouses as part of the turnaround team. Sandy and his team completed that turnaround in two years, taking it from a multi-million dollar loss to a multi-million dollar profit, and I think we can all say yes to that. It was at that point in his life that he decided he wanted to make beans as opposed to counting them. Sandy has owned and successfully operated several small companies in the transportation, service, and food industry, so we have a pretty wide portfolio, multiple different types and streams of income. He spent several years as a senior consultant for a large national consulting company specializing in small and medium-sized troubled businesses. He ultimately founded and became president of Profitability Partners Incorporated, which is a flora-based consulting company specializing in the turnaround and small, medium-sized businesses. 
I love Florida. I'm just back from Orlando. In 2013, after seeing some of his clients fighting a negligent hiring lawsuit, Sandy founded Background Checks Express, a background checking firm designed to provide accurate, accessible, and affordable background checking for his clients. Sandy Steinman, welcome to the Business Creators Radio Show. I couldn't be happier to be speaking with you today. Well, thank you, Adam. I, that, would, would you do that introduction again? That was outstanding. That was, thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. I, 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 <laughs> I was just about to say, I should probably just make this Sandy Steinman's Business Creators Radio Show because I'm not really sure I'm qualified to be in the same room as a man like you. So uh, let's. Uh, so oh, what I'd like on. to do, however, is not repeat your introduction per se, but what I'd like to ask all of our guests is for those of our listeners who are still getting to know you, still getting a chance to check you out and find out what you have to offer, uh, normally we have them tell a little bit about what brought them to where they are today. Uh, You kind of shared that with us in your introduction, so I'm going to take that question slightly differently for you and tell us a little bit more about, you know, what drives you so passionately. Uh, You strike me as a very passionate individual, and in our green room conversation, uh, I could just see the energy coming through uh what is it that just is your intersection of brilliance and passion that drives you to move forward in this area well i I mean first of all it it really starts with that love i have for small business i mean i I believe with everything that i know that small business is what makes the country go right Uh, it's the driving force i mean the big businesses yeah you'll you know, lots of employees, blah, blah, blah. But it's that small business guy who, and, and, and gal who, you know, puts everything on the line, maxes out their credit cards, um, uh, mortgages their house, believes in what they're doing, and just, and, and, lets, it, and lets it all go for, their, for that dream. And, you know, and, and some of them don't survive, but a lot of them do. And they, you know, I just, I knew that because of my experience that a lot of these folks just don't have access to what they really need to protect themselves as far as, you know, keeping them out of trouble with the the Fair Credit Reporting Act or, or the EEOC or negligent hiring lawsuits. Employers love these lawsuits. Right. And um and you know and and they're they they don't they're not ashamed to to sue a small business. Right. Very very unfortunate how that works sometimes. Uh, now there's another question we ask here and this is something that our regular listeners know is coming so we hear the drum beat in the background. We're about to dive into what Sandy has for us today, but there's a question we ask everybody, and here goes. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that they are recommended to do to grow their business except for time and money. Now, this is a question, as I said, we ask everybody who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways the question is interpreted. You've given us a preview. Now, Sandy, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Oh, my. Well, uh, well, first of all, that's that's such an interesting question, Adam, because I've seen people try to save money by actually going to the local courthouses and trying to just ferret through the records and do their own background checking. 
Uh, I've also seen companies spend very limited amount of money with, say, an Internet uh, background checking data provider in which they would just do well to save their money and put it towards the legal fees they're going to incur down the road. But I think as we get through this evening, we're going to give them the tools they need to kind of get through this, this maze. Right. Right. And I am so excited about some of those tools here. So um, I think the point, one of the points you're making here is that uh, we see way too many employers, way too many small to medium sized business owners looking to save money and sort of hack their way through a background check or due diligence. And that can end up costing them very dearly in the short, intermediate and long term. Uh, think, it think costs of, them their business, Adam. Yeah, th- think of what a lawsuit can do to you. Even if you have the resources to go to war in terms of having all the lawyers and everything else you need, what is that going to do to the energy of your business? Because rather than sharing your brilliance and passion and serving your customers, now you got to fight this lawsuit. you got to deal with lawyers. you got to go digging up paperwork, having hard drives forensically examined, uh, going through a history of your interactions with people, performance reviews and everything else at minimum. Or what if they stole from you? You believe they stole from you. Now we're talking about law enforcement, private investigators, all sorts of things. And that's not a place where we really want to go no matter what, because we're all as business creators way, we ain't got no time for that. And what you're going to do is you're going to help us save some of that time. Now, well, we are. Remember, I'm a business creator too, so I'm right. I'm right with you. Got it. Exactly. All right. So your subtitle talks about the dangers that await employers who do not do their deal, do, excuse me, due diligence and perform pre-employment background checking. So tell us about just some of those dangers that are lurking and walk us through what you like to call your hall of horrors. Well, I'll do that. And I usually kind of start it off with a riddle, you know, which is kind of, you know, what do you call an employer who, who doesn't background check their, their applicants before making an employment offer? And, and, and the answer is you call them a defendant. Right. And, and it sounds ominous, but, it, man, it's the truth. And so, so now let, let's, let's kind of pay a visit to you know, the employer's hall of horrors. And hang on, because it is. Let, let's, let's start our little stroll uh, in South Florida, Burdines, Division of Federated Department Stores. I know them well. I work for them right out of school. Right. I, I have no question, but what Burdines, but they thoroughly vetted this heating and air company that they contracted with before they ever contracted with them. A woman called Burdines and told them she wanted her air conditioning ducts clean. The air conditioning company sent two men to her home. Unknown to her or to Burdines, both men, not, not one, but both men had criminal records. The heating and air company had decided to shortcut the background checking process. I mean, after all, they needed these guys. They needed them then. So they said, no, we just won't do it. I like them. And, um, and they turned these two felons loose on the community. One of the men, who happened to be a twice-convicted sex offender out on, on parole, uh, returned to the woman's house six months later. Now, you may ask, well, well, why did he return to the woman's house? Well, maybe, maybe it was to see if his work was still good. Uh-huh. But that would be wrong. <laughs> that would be wrong. Uh, actually, he returned to her home to rape her and then kill her. Uh, and because the air conditioning contractor never bothered to perform a background check on his employees, it cost the customer a life 
and it cost Burdine somewhere in the neighborhood of $16 million to settle the negligent hiring lawsuit. Of course, the, the little heating and air company closed their doors and was never heard from again. Right. Pretty, pretty scary. All right, keep going down this hall. Move to the story of a carpet cleaning firm in California. This particular firm hired its employer and employees with no background checking as long as the employee looked good to the manager. 1998, newly hired employee was sent into homes to clean carpets. Remember, that's one-on-one with customers. No background check. He ultimately murdered one of his customers. The family filed a negligent hiring lawsuit, and in the course of discovery, it was uncovered that this employee had been convicted of violent crimes, and the fact is a simple background check, maybe $50, would have uncovered the same thing. The case was settled for over $9 million. Um, Here's a case that doesn't involve a lawsuit, but it's pretty scary. A bookkeeper with a criminal file, a foot thick, stole $2.5 million from 15 to 20 businesses over a 12-year time span. Now, how was he able to get those jobs? He is creative. It was simple. An accomplice who he met while serving time in prison for fraud gave glowing recommendations to anyone who called the reference number listed on the resume. Along the same lines, but you know, you know, but certainly deserving to be in the Hall of Horrors, the case of a consultant who hired a bookkeeper based on chemistry, who took over seventy thousand from her, her business bank account and her family savings account. But let's go to the more serious ones. We'll, we'll go now to the case of the flagship hotel in Galveston, Texas. Two thousand and eight, they hired a bellman. Pretty normal. I, I worked as a bellman, working my way through school. Sure. Well. Here's the problem. They didn't perform any background check, and it gets worse. We're on the clock three months forward, and a father and his two sons check into the hotel, which bills itself as a family-friendly hotel. The newly hired bellman lured his 15-year-old son into an empty banquet room and attempted to molest him. And, of course, there's more. Had the hotel performed even the simplest background check, they would have found their employee had convictions for theft, for assault, for drug possession, and you could probably hear it coming, two counts of indecency with a child. Uh-huh. And he had been cited six other times for sexual misconduct. And the Texas Court of Appeals just ruled that the family does have a case of negligent hiring against the hotel. And, and today the verdict's still out, but you know it's a multi-million dollar verdict, and that doesn't include the legal costs and the time lost for hotel management. And no trip through this Hall of Horrors would be complete without the story of a Massachusetts home health service. They hired an employee as a caretaker for a 24-year-old cerebral palsy patient and the patient's grandmother. No background check performed. I, I don't get that. If they had performed one, they would have learned the caretaker had just gotten out of jail for murder. After about a month on the job, the caretaker was fired for not showing up for work, and he showed his displeasure by returning to the home and killing the 24-year-old and his grandmother. A negligent hiring lawsuit, the jury returned a $24 million verdict against the home health service, which, of course, broke them and, and forced them out of service. You know, I, I hope that kind of thing makes people nervous and gets their attention. I would think so too. And th- 
something like this has hit close to home for me a couple of times. Uh, I, you know, here in my apartment in Las Vegas, it was a Friday morning. I was just getting ready to sit down in my home office, start my day. And uh, next thing you know, I hear the front door of my place. Uh, somebody tried to open it without knocking. So I charged into the situation. I went outside and I saw a couple of gentlemen who looked like they could have been maintenance workers. I don't know, just very casually walking away. And they were walking towards an unmarked white van. Gee, I wonder uh -huh. what that has people <laughs> thinking right now. And I right. kept saying, who are you guys? What are you doing here? Why did you try and open my door without knocking? Now, the logical person might think that maybe they just hired some uh, some amateur maintenance people and they had the wrong building or the wrong door number or something like that and thought that they had been given permission to just walk in. And maybe that is the innocent explanation because when we file service requests here, we can stipulate that uh, they have permission to enter without uh, checking first. But these guys had an unmarked van. And they were wearing T-shirts that were not the same color and did not have the markings of a contracting firm. Pretty scary, it huh? It makes you nervous. Yep, yeah, that's and, one. And, and you got to be sure. That, I mean, it's so important. We're, we'll talk about it. I've got a case like that that we'll talk about later this evening. That, you know, those kind of folks have a, a particular duty uh, of care because they can enter, you know, premises with – Maybe a person there, maybe nobody there. These people have got to be vetted. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Yes, and then there's another case. I was checking into a hotel. This was some time ago. I had a late arrival because of my flight, and I got in around 1 o'clock in the morning. Now, the gentleman running the front desk, uh, the guy was just not on his game. Uh, we have a room that was already paid for up front, and they knew I was coming. I was the only person in the lobby at the time. And it still took him almost 20 minutes to do my check-in procedure, the longest it's ever taken. The guy was just not on his game. And it wasn't – then there was nothing wrong with the computer or anything like that. He was just off his game. So what he – what I noticed that he didn't was there was a gentleman standing over near the corner of the desk who was dressed in all black who was just watching the whole situation. And I saw what looked like a security badge on this guy. So I'm thinking, okay, this is probably their night security. Of course, they're going to hang out by the front desk because if they're going to get stuck up, it's going to happen at 1 o'clock in the morning. So yep. go up to my room, check in. I don't even have my suitcase open yet. And I'm just uh, I'm just opening my laptop real quick because I had to fire off a couple quick emails before I turned in for an early morning conference. And next thing I know, I hear sounds at the door that are consistent with the door attempting to be forced. So I got up to look and see what was going on. And I said, who's there? And the door came open, almost hit me in the head. Oh my. It was this same alleged security person who was using what looked like a key to open the door and he claimed oh well, i was doing a security check uh i was very nervous around this person i did not want to keep my eyes off of him so i walked backwards over to the telephone and called the front desk and found out that this person um had been delegated to check all the empty rooms and make sure there were no squatters first of all shaky story second of all uh second of all uh, uh sandy i'm gonna i'm gonna do something i think you can hear this through my headset you ready for this Listen closely. Yep. Hello, anybody in there? Why didn't he do that? And of uh, course, yeah. And and the and the worst part of this was 
is allegedly the key got stuck in the door and he couldn't get it out. So they had to move me to another room. Now, do you recognize how physically vulnerable I was? Uh, well, what you if are. This, what, Absolutely yeah, right. What, what if this was somebody wearing a dime store security uniform and this guy at the front desk who was off his game and wouldn't have probably known his head from the ceiling anyway um, had just stood by blithely while somebody was casing me and followed up to me, me up to my room to do bad things? Worse yet, what if the front desk guy and the fake security guy were in cahoots? Sure. See what I mean? Yeah. So what? So what if that? So what if that hotel had failed to check the desk guy who was on who was working nights? You know, when people aren't paying attention, there's no manager around, minutely supervising their working, get away with murder, and he has his buddy come in with the fake security uniform, and uh, and uh, they decide to do something very nasty to a tourist who's already yeah, I mean, extremely no tired from a flight. And, and, now you I, know, and, and it happens. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I checked this one out in detail, and I found out that it actually was legitimate, and we just had a couple people that really did not know what they were doing. But can you see the very thin line there? And if you're not doing proper background checks, how vulnerable you can be? And this was a, and this wasn't a, a little boutique hotel or like an Airbnb or something. This is a major chain. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there, and it, you know what? And I understand it. You know, there's this temptation to shortcut that kind of thing and and, and save the money, but oh my! I mean, the the ramifications are just you know are amazing, and and, and I mean, you know what? There, there's no free ride. There's right. just not. Yeah, and it would be easy for that chain to say, well, you know, we have such a hard time finding somebody to work steady nights. Uh, this guy doesn't look like he could hurt a fly. Let's just do a quick credit check and make sure he doesn't have any, um, any uh, you know, sex offenses or anything. Let's just pop him in there. It'd be very easy to get slacking like that. And it could also be very easy to say, well, we're hiring this outside security company, and they said their people were bonded. That's good enough. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That, that's right. Right. No question. Right. So uh, I understand, Sandy, you had a personal experience in hiring somebody with no background checking because your gut told you he was perfect. So this <laughs> kind of hits close to home for you. So tell us about that. Yeah, I'm almost embarrassed about this. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the story of Milton. You, you'd said earlier, you know, the fact that I'd been with Bonanza and, and was part of their turnaround team. And, you know, I mean, I was I was a young I mean, I can't believe how young I was CFO for this chain. And and we were we were we were on the the good part of the turnaround. Now we had we had really done a good job, but we had terminated a lot of our our support employees. And I needed an accounts payable person, and and I needed that person right then. Right. So so enter so enter Milton. Milton came from a temp service, and I got to tell you, Adam, he was perfect. He was about 45 years old, which I thought was pretty old back then. He was he was from Connecticut. I was from Connecticut. I mean, we just got along like we knew known each other forever. And, and I hired him without any background checking because, as you said, you know, my gut told me, and I'm a great judge of character, so so why bother? Well, Milton was the perfect employee, oh, for about 45 days. And then I started getting calls from vendors who wanted to know why they hadn't been paid. You know, Sandy, are you in trouble again? Uh, and I knew I had approved checks and I had signed the checks. And what I didn't know was that Milton was altering the, 
the payee on the checks and putting in his own name. What I didn't know was that Milton had recently served 10 years in the penitentiary for embezzlement, and all these things I didn't know cost our company over $50,000. What, what I don't know to this day is why the directors didn't just toss me out on the street for stupidity. Uh, right. I would have, I think. But, but, I mean, that's just an example of, of what can happen and the fact that gut's not always, not always right. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Think and... of $50,000 back in the, what, late, late 70s. Uh, that's $150,000, $180,000 today. Right, right. My yeah, back in the nineteen back in nineteen seventies, my parents who were just starting out in the world, uh, their dream was to have fifty thousand dollars. Of course. Yeah, I right. mean that's yeah. So we're talking some serious money, regardless of what era. And uh, that's actually a very conservative number because you've shared with me that employers tend to lose negligent hiring lawsuits seventy nine percent of the time. And you gave me a statistic that shows that the average cost is something like a million dollars per loss. So what yep, makes up growing. the yeah exactly what makes up the the elements of a negligent hiring lawsuit and how in the world do employers protect themselves from a seventy nine percent chance of losing a million bucks? Well, that's a you know that's 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 the key question you know and and I think just before we get into these it's just interesting to note that the common thread in the cases that we've talked about today is that employers could have avoided these losses from negligent hiring claims. And the claims we today that we talked about today account for over 50 million. And they could have been avoided with a simple background check and go oh, costing in the range of $50. And um, so, so let, let's do look at the elements of a negligent hiring case. First, the plaintiff must have suffered an injury as a result of the employer's alleged negligence. Uh, for example, one of your drivers hits a pedestrian and injures or kills them, or you're the hospitality industry and one of your employees assaults a guest, such as in the, the flagship hotel case. Um, some other examples of injuries in which negligent hiring cases were brought include a company that brought a suit against Pinkerton's, which was a security company. It was found the security guard who was Pinkerton's employee, was a co-conspirator in thefts from the company in excess of $200,000. Uh, there was an industrial janitorial service company uh, uh, who uh, was, was sued by an industrial contractor because their janitor stole cash from a desk and then burnt the building down in order to cover up the theft. Wow. Um, another one is when a plaintiff, who was a hitchhiker, brought suit against the employer of a truck driver. Uh, the, uh, the truck driver raped the hitchhiker, and and the um, uh, and it turned out that again, back, if he had done background checking, uh, he was a sex offender. Um, one more, a really frightening example: the parents of a murder victim who brought suit against their daughter's employer seems a coworker from her office murdered her at her own apartment after gaining access to her home address at work. So there's a whole lot of types of injuries that can result in one of those dreaded negligent hiring lawsuits. And, and so next, there has to exist a duty of care that you owe to the plaintiff. And that means that the injured party has got to be able to show that there's some connection 
our relationship, a nexus, if you will, between that injured person and the employer. And as a result, the employer owed a duty of care. And this can occur in a lot of different situations, such as coworkers on the job. You know, workplace violence is a big deal today. Um, you know, a customer who may well have contacts with your employees, a tenant in an apartment building may be injured by one of your maintenance workers, or you know, just like you talked about in your, in, you know, in your in your place, and, and any other situation in which your employees have some contact with other people, and you know what, that's just about every situation, and so. While virtually every employer has some duty of care, there's industries in which the duty of care is magnified, uh, you know, such as workers that have contact with at-risk groups such as children, sick people, or the elderly, or jobs like security guards in which a person acts under what's called the color of authority, and wearing a uniform certainly creates that color of authority. Yes. Our jobs with special responsibilities, such as apartment managers who, who may have a master key to all the apartments, and, and definitely jobs where workers enter homes, which includes you know any number of service companies, heating and air companies, plumbing, cleaning services, and so forth. After all, a person in their own home can be extraordinarily vulnerable because they're shielded from the public and they're not able to call for help. So that's big stuff. And then third, it has to be proven that the employer breaches the duty of care. And that happens when an employer has actual knowledge of the employee's unfitness or with the exercise of reasonable care would have knowledge that the employer was dangerous, unfit, or unqualified. And what that really means is if the employer does not perform a reasonable background check, a jury could find a duty of care has been breached. And to put it another way, juries generally find if the employer could have known, to a jury that translates to the employer should have known. And and you know what? There's just no reason to put yourself in that situation. And And finally, the plaintiff has to show that the negligence on, on the part of the employer was the cause of the injury, which means that injuries were a logical consequence of the employer's failure to perform due diligence. You know, the case of the, of the Burdines air conditioning folks. Um, it was a logical thing. They did not, they, they let any person into that lady's home. And, it was a, and, and her, her rape and her death was a logical consequence of doing that. And, you know, and remembering that employers lose those cases 79% of the time, you know what? They're not that hard to prove. Plaintiff's attorneys, and I, I know a lot of them, salivate at the idea of taking one of those cases. It's money in the bank. And, and just one last point on the whole due diligence issue, and this is important. Liability does not end with the hiring process. Employers can be sued, and they have been sued, for failure to exercise due diligence in retention, in supervision, or promotion. An employer can be liable for negligent retention, which is amazing, when during the course of employment, the employer becomes aware or should have become aware of problems with an employee which indicated his unfitness and the employer fails to take further action 
to prevent such conduct, such as an investigation or discharge. For example, in a recent Minnesota case, the court ruled that the church could be sued uh, for negligent retention if the church knew or should have known uh, about, a, about a church pastor that engaged in sexual misconduct with persons he was counseling. So right. what's the answer to the nightmare? Well, you know, you could you could fire all your employees and do everything yourself. Uh, you could shut the door and walk away because, you know, but, but, you know, but then what? You know, the way employers protect themselves from becoming a defendant is by performing due diligence when hiring an employee. And a whole lot of that due diligence involves performing background checking. Wow, that is something here. And, you know, we're having so much fun, Sandy. We're already halfway through this, so we're going to have to pick up the pace a little bit. But I know we're going to we be uh, shifting gears here <laughs> in just a minute here. So, um, yep. Uh, so we're going to be getting into some specific facts now. And uh, first of all, just tell me, other than playing defense, what else? Uh, why else do employers background check their applicants? Well, it, 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 this is interesting. It, it really discourages applicants with something to hide. Just having a pre-screening program is likely to discourage an applicant with a criminal background or falsified credentials from from, from applying. And and along those lines, my recommendation, you know, in big, bold letters in your interviewer area, you let people know that you perform pre-employment background checking. And second, it helps to eliminate uncertainty in the hiring process. You know, knowledge is always power. Listen to what background checks reveal that you would never know otherwise. These stats amaze me. Over 40% of employment, education, and reference checks showed a difference between what the applicant provided and what the background checks revealed. Uh -huh. There's even services today that will let an applicant who's falsified his work history pay a fee, and one of those service employees will give a glowing reference over the phone. Oh, yeah. How's that? 45% of credit checks reveal a judgment lien or bankruptcy, a referral to a collection agency. 36% of driving records disclose one or more violations or convictions. 9% of, of background checks revealed a criminal record within the last seven years, with 24% of those having two or more adverse records. This is information employers vitally need to know in making hiring decisions. You know, I learned the hard way. You can't rely on gut in deciding who to hire. But very most importantly, you know, it demonstrates due diligence, and that's one major defense against negligent hiring loss. And here's the deal. Employers have a reasonable duty of care in the hiring process, and that means you've got to take reasonable steps to determine whether an employee is a good fit for the job. And finally, and this is really true, it encourages honesty in the application and the interview process. You'll find that just having a background checking program will encourage applicants to be more forthcoming about their history. I have my clients tell me all the time that until they started this, they never had anyone sit in an interview and say, by the way, let me tell you about my record. Um, no, it doesn't amazing. happen. Yep. Yep, that doesn't doesn't happen at all. And uh, just real briefly, you know, this gives me a, a real uh, shiver up my spine. Fifteen years ago, I was a recruiter for a temp agency. And uh, you can imagine the volume and people coming in and out and all the stories yep. behind that. And I remember there was one time one of our applicants called up and said, uh, you know, I, I have to reschedule the interview because I didn't do my laundry last night. Now, 
even without this background check, you already know <laughs> you probably don't want to speak with this person. But probably not. <laughs> yeah, but our manager of staffing services wanted to make some points and uh, insist that we reschedule the guy and have him come in. And she made this big point of don't ever turn somebody away just because they didn't do their laundry. The guy was just out of prison two weeks ago for armed robbery. <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, it it, it yeah. is it is absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and uh, and 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 I and I remember there was a big deal about reference checking. You know, calling the people they wrote on their on their application, and ninety percent of the time, you never even got through those people. And usually, it was the previous employer who would confirm name, rank, and serial number, and that's all they would say. Uh, I mean, yep. and 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 really, the main reason why they were so diligent on calling the references is because these are people who hire people. Maybe maybe they need temps. Well, how about maybe we protect our existing customers? That was one of the many how about things that, that disgusted. Go think me. about that. Right. And I was and I was 22 years old and didn't know and didn't know the world from nighttime. And uh, even that one was you know just off to me. And that I, I didn't last much longer at that company probably because I spoke too much truth. I don't know. Um, probably true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with all these gotchas out there, what kind of information is available to employers about their applicants that we can trust? Well, enough to, you know, enough to make you dizzy. But word of warning: stay away from, stay away from cheap. You get what you pay for in this business. There's lots of phony internet databases out there. They just save your money. You're going to need it. But as a, as with a, you know, with a competent background checking firm, professional member of the National Association of Professional Background Screeners, you'll have access to civil lawsuits and liens, credit reports criminal history, verification, I mean good verification of education and credentials, international searches, merchant databases, driving records, past employment references, good references by the way, security clearances, social security number traces, workers' comp records, when allowed by the state. And a lot of states are not allowing that anymore. This is a broad menu, and I don't know any employer that utilizes all the tools. The key is to, to find the ones that are right for your industry, and that depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Now, for most employers, I, I recommend running at least two background searches for each applicant. The first is what we call, uh, and, and, and most background checking companies have this, it's called our Instant Criminal Nationwide Search Plus Alias. And different background checking companies use different names, but and, and some are better than others. But done properly, this search is a powerful, virtually instant, I mean, it's multi-jurisdictional search of state and county criminal records. Databases are compiled from counties, departments of corrections, administrations of the court, violent sex offender registries in every state, uh, national, international terrorism uh, sources, uh, such as the Office of Foreign Assets Control. Uh, I mean, it's great stuff, and it pulls a Social Security number trace and runs the National Criminal Sex Offender Global Report on all alias and maiden names from the Social Security number. And this reduces the likelihood of deception by an applicant regarding any aliases they may have operated under. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I had a law firm call me. Had never had never dealt with them before, but they found me on the Internet. They said, Sandy, we have found the best paralegal in the world. We want to hire her now. Can you run this for us very quickly? So we signed the proper documents and and, and, and we ran, and it, and it turned out that there was this alias. She operated under the name of Velvet Blue. Now, this was lady was going to be working with some of the most 
some of the wealthiest clients in that particular geographic area and they and the his the, the record was extremely checkered they they said sandy we would have lost our clients if we had done this aliases are very important and alias can be just as simple as a maiden name by the way but in this case, it was a lot more than that. Uh, but anyway, the the other background search that ought to be run is called a county criminal search. This is the most current and up-to-date, and it will reveal in the counties you run it whether the applicant has a felony, misdemeanor, or infraction within the last seven years or longer, uh, dates of arrests and, and filing charges, level of charges, disposition, mm-hmm. final disposition, and any, any sentence or penalty. With these two products, employers can be comfortable. They're really doing what they can to protect their employees and the public, and, and it's not that expensive. And whatever the charge, you know, it's a lot less than the million-dollar loss. Yeah, I'd rather spend a few hundred well-placed dollars up front, especially with somebody I'm going to trust with my business, my customers, my future. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when you think, when you come down to it, uh, even if you do the most advanced due diligence, you're looking at less than a week's pay for this person. Oh, you're you're actually looking for you're you're the, generally you're looking at less than a day's pay for that person. Wow, and to think and to think that you're going to pay them uh, is uh, you know two for two thousand eighty hours a year if they're a full time employee, and yep. uh, you can't find the equivalent of eight hours of their pay one day, yep. for which they'll probably be productive about four of those hours anyway, because that's just human <laughs> condition. I mean, I mean, come on. Let me let's let's no, let's, let's tell right. the truth. No question. Let's tell the truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Right. So what I'd like to do here, and you know, as time keeps flying by here, sure. is let's move to the other I'm side. Serious. Let's move to the other side. Um, yep. There are dangers for employers who do perform pre-employment background checks to avoid these negligent hiring lawsuits. Can employers win? What dangers oh. are we talking about now? Well, they they can, but the um, they what they've got to do is. The, the big thing out there is called the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and it's enforced by the, Fair, by the Federal Trade Commission. And that's the major landmine, and the EEOC is a little lesser one, and we'll talk about that down the, just a little bit. But, right. but the Fair Credit Reporting Act's big, Adam. Yeah, what's that all about? I mean, uh, I mean, is that just checking people's credit? No, nah, isn't that interesting? That's what yeah. you would think. Uh, you know, it... It was originally, the whole Fair Credit Reporting Act was originally an amendment to the Truth in Lending Act. But as, as more and more background checking it became you know, kind of popular, it became obvious that employers could delve into people's background without the, without the applicant knowing about it. Right. And, and at that point, that's like delving into your credit report without you knowing about it, without you giving permission. And you know what? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not much of a regulation person, but in this case, I think, I think the government got it right. Now, as always, you know, there was a little overboard, but, but generally the Fair Credit Reporting Act is a, is a, is a great protection for consumers. Right. But, right. but employers have got to jump through that hoop. 
Yeah, I, I, I see I see what you mean, because there is this perception out there when people hear credit reporting and they put their social security number or their tax ID or what have you on that yep. application, that you're just going to check to see if they're maxed out on their credit cards and you might end up not getting, and they're worried they may not get hired just because, you know, they've fallen a little behind with MasterCard. Yep. A right. Absolutely. And, and that's really a minor part of the, you know, of the background checking. I, and I do have clients who do that, particularly when people are going to handle money. Um, but, um, uh, you know, they, they, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but the, one of the things the applicant will do is they'll sign a disclosure and release form, which tells them this is a broad scope of what we may or may not look at in your history. Yeah. And, and they have to sign that. And, um, you know, so they're so under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you know, there, there are no surprises. Yeah, I think and I think that unfortunately, a lot of employers uh, are really not aware of where the pluses and the minuses are when it comes to this. I can give you a parallel example. Just over a year ago, I was in the market for a new apartment and there were two places that accepted me and were ready to have me move in based on my beautiful credit, my clean criminal history, and and yep. just the overall good feelings I left behind with my previous landlords. Uh, one of them uh, did something that I thought was kind of weird, is they called my current landlord for a reference. I'm thinking, okay, I didn't have the chance to break the news to them yet. And if I was going to use this as like some kind of rent renewal negotiation tool, they just blew sure. my play. I felt kind of violated with that. And uh, they and they had me sign the paperwork and say, you know, we may or may not check for all this stuff. So I'm familiar with yep. that form. Uh, then right. I go to the uh, then I go to the other place and they say, well, um, if you sit right here, we'll do these checks right now. And uh, I saw her type in for about 10 minutes. I couldn't see what was going on on her screen, but she said, OK, I see your credit score. I see your Act 33. OK, looks like there's no criminal stuff. Everything looks good. I see your income. I see your tax filings. Okay. You're good to go. And I said, well, what about this thing about, uh, don't you want to check my references? And she said, by law, we're not allowed to. <laughs> very, That's very interesting. I, I told yeah. her, well, the other place, and I thought this was weird, called my current landlord and they said that would be like calling your current employer if you're looking for a new job that's just absolutely wrong and you could sue these people for doing it now i didn't sue the other place i just stopped returning right. their calls but uh all yeah. the same and yeah. i thought there were other hinky things there too i have two cats and this other place was just going to charge me for the one cat and i'm thinking okay there's a lot of holes in this one i'd rather just pay for the two cats because then somebody turns around and says oh you only have one cat on file. We saw two kitties in your window the other day. Sure. And I say, but so-and-so said they were going to give me a break. Yeah. Well, we don't know anything about that break. Yeah. We know that, that we know right? that, that yeah. person wrote that you have one cat, so uh, so you have to get rid of this other cat now and pay us $500. No, no, yep. no, no, That's no, right. no, 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 no. So don't play fast and loose with this stuff. But see, just even in things like that, and bringing a tenant into your building to rent space where they're going to live is in many ways parallel to hiring an employee because you're trusting somebody to come into your space, not do bad things, leave the place in good shape and just overall be a good neighbor that that's that's correct that's exactly right not far removed and from you're putting you expect an employee. And, and you're putting your other tenants at risk 
Exactly. If you don't do, if you don't do the yeah. check. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And just like you're putting your other employees at risk because they could lose their jobs or they can find themselves inadvertently in the middle of something they never bargained for because of some offhand comment they made uh, by the water cooler one day. Sure. Definitely. Yep. Right. Right on the money. Yeah. So, um, so what do employers have to do to comply with this Fair Credit Reporting Act? Okay. Well, for the, the, the first step is simple. It's called employer certification. And what that means is before ordering any background checks, the employer's got to certify in writing to the consumer reporting agency, which is the background checking firm, that it will follow all the steps set out in the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And, and those steps are that they'll use the information for employment or tenancy purposes only. They agree they won't use the information in violation of any laws. And they agree to obtain all necessary disclosures and, and consents as required by the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And they agree to give the required notices, which we're going to talk about in a minute, in the event an adverse action is taken against an applicant. And, uh, and finally, they'll give additional information required by law if, if an investigative consumer reports needed, which we won't really talk about. So the right. first step in the employer certification is really not violated very often. The second step in compliance is where employers start to get into trouble, and that's a written release and disclosure. The law is specific about this. There's no wiggle room. Before obtaining the consumer report, background check, the, the employer has to obtain the applicant's written consent and must also provide the applicant with a clear and conspicuous, conspicuous being really important, written disclosure that a background report may be requested. It can't be buried in the application. It has to be in a separate and standalone document. This is critical, and there can't be any you know, waivers of liability included in it, and employers have gotten into mega trouble by trying to keep it from being standalone. A uh, couple of cases, Domino's settled a class action lawsuit for these kind of violations for $2.5 million for creating a re release of liability in a release and disclosure form. Uh, New England Motor Freight, not a gigantic company, recently settled a class action lawsuit for 870000 with a group of 7,000 drivers who claimed the company denied them employment after conducting criminal checks and obtaining credit reports and driver history report without their authorization. Kmart paid $3 million for Fair Credit Reporting Act background checking violations, alleging the company failed to properly warn 60,000 job applicants that they could be denied employment based on background checks. So, you know, the Fair Credit Reporting Act has its own hall of horrors, and, there, and there's more coming. And then look at the third step, which is something that a lot of employers and a lot of background checking firms ignore, and it's called the pre-adverse notice. And a lot of people don't know about this. When an employer receives a consumer report and decides not to hire the applicant based on the report, or even partially on the report, the applicant uh, has certain rights. And, and what has to happen is the employer has to send out something called a pre-adverse notice to the applicant, which includes, a, and it kind of says, in effect, we may not make an offer of employment based upon something that may be in the uh, background checking report. It's got to include a copy of their rights and include a copy of, the cons of, of their of their. Uh, of their rights under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, a copy of the report. And it's done to give the applicant an opportunity to see the report. If it's accurate and complete, the applicant can contact the 
the Consumer Reporting Agency to dispute it. If this weren't in, in place, applicants could be denied employment, you know, without ever knowing. And, and for example, just recently, a class action lawsuit was filed against Aaron's Home Furnishings, willful violation of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and it was alleged that the the applicant. Uh, his name was Daniel Antoine, responded to a career builder ad, was contacted by Aaron's to come into a store in Kansas City. At the end of the interview, he was informed he'd be hired, but first they needed to perform a background check. After the background check was run, Antoine was notified he wouldn't be hired because of information contained in the background check. He wasn't provided with a copy of the report or a description of his rights, and um, it, you know they didn't send that pre-adverse notice with what they needed. Uh, and, and so they've got, there's a class action lawsuit including every applicant that has ever been denied employment by Aaron's. That's a lot. Uh, and I don't know whether it's going to be a $2 million judgment or 200000 but the lawsuits can result in massive legal costs, loss of productive time. Um, just as recently, Dollar General agreed to settle a class action lawsuit, which claimed they failed to send pre-adverse notices, $4 million dollars. You got to sell a lot of little tchotchkes to Dollar General to make up four million dollars, and then yeah. after sending the pre-adverse notice, the employer intends to make a final decision not to hire. They got to send out a final notice, so they get that they get that twice. But that's all the you know the idea of making sure people know what's going on, and. You know, I get a lot of questions from my clients about adverse notices. I say, Sandy, I've got two applicants for a position. I do background checks on both of them. They both have clean records. I make a decision to hire one of them because I thought he was a better candidate. Do I still have to send out adverse notices? The answer is no, but I would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would, why, I would be safe. Yeah. Why? Why? Why take it to chance? Right. Exactly. Yeah. If That's the right. applicant, yeah, if the applicant is is a straight shooter, or if they did have some youthful indiscretion that they've long since made up for, they should have nothing to worry about. Yep. Like, 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 exactly like, right. like, 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 it's yeah, like, uh, like, if you have somebody sitting in your office that's sixty years old, uh, that twenty-one year, yeah, that breaking and entering thing they did when they were nineteen, back when they used to do drugs, that's not going to necessarily be a deal breaker. I mean, if they did it last week, that's definitely a deal breaker, though. Sure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, exactly. There, there, there's common sense in all this. Um, now, if you could just tell me, what does the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, fit into all this? And I'm triggered by this partially because I told that story about uh, how I was forced to interview that guy, even though yep. he said something on the phone. And you're thinking, wow, why would I want to work with someone like that? Sure. Well, what the EEOC wants to do is they want to be sure that with criminal the people with criminal records are not prevented from getting employment. And they've been relatively aggressive in filing actions, but they haven't been particularly successful. But but you know what? They're not going to give up. Yeah, I mean, they're playing with our money, right? So so they can keep on filing suits. What this means to employers is they they need a written policy. They have to look carefully when making a decision not to hire someone because of a criminal record. They want to make sure the position they're trying to fill cannot be filled with an applicant with a certain type of criminal record. For example, an applicant for a truck driver's job who has a DUI history is probably a very bad fit, and you've got every reason to say no. That same person, you know what, may not be a bad fit for a warehouse worker. Um, you know, it's all about, you know, would you, would you hire an embezzler? Well, I did. But would you hire an embezzler to work in a, uh, you know, in an accounting department? Probably not. 
would you hire that embezzler to drive a vehicle? Maybe, maybe. Uh, you, you just got the, the key is to document why you're why you're making these decisions because you may you may need that documentation. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, you know that's also very important to to keep in mind. Um, so in our last couple minutes here. Um, what are your parting thoughts? Uh, just you know, one minute. Uh, tell us what is your piece, final piece of advice for our audience regarding the safe hiring. Team up with a good, solid, professional background checking firm. Be sure to remember the National Association professional background checkers. Here's the here, here's the deal. And be sure they've got a, a fully staffed legal and compliance department so to be sure you're getting great information so you can make great hiring decisions, stay out of court. And here, you know, this is what I kind of leave you with. Employee problems are always caused by problem employees every time. Good, solid, professionally performed background checking can really help you avoid those problem employees and keep you out of court and, and keep you out of trouble. Exactly. Now, Sandy, this has been outstanding, and I also understand you have a little gift for our audience. So tell us about it, and where are they going to get it? Well, I, I actually have two. If they will, uh, if they will go to I, I, the first one is it's a free white paper on the Fair Credit Reporting Act. It goes much more into detail, but in in English, you know, in good understandable language about how to comply with the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And all they need to do is go to my website, which is www.backgroundchecksexpress.com. And, um, and in, the, in the contact area, uh, put in their, their name, their email address, and in the little comment area, put white paper on Just put white paper. And I will send them, I'll email them the free, uh, the free white paper. The second thing I'm going to do for any of the folks who are listening who would like to background check and like to, whether they have never done it or they're, they're doing it and would like to try something else, if they'll call me at 844-SCREEN-NOW, which is 844-727-3366, and tell me they listen to the show, I'll, I will perform their first five national instant criminal background checks for their company at no charge. That's amazing. That's amazing. Sandy, thank you so much for that. And I'm going to remind all of our listeners, uh, just go to businesscreatorsradioshow.com, check out our expert profiles, and you'll see how to connect to their websites and social media, including Sandy Steinman. So if you could just say your website one more time, just so anybody who missed sure. it the first time. Yep. It's www.backgroundchecks, that's plural, express.com. Be very careful, guys. Backgroundchecksexpress.com. When I was doing Sandy's intro, I missed that first. That's the first time. If you rewind way back to the beginning, if you're listening to this on iTunes. So make sure you get that right and make sure you check out our website. So Sandy Steinman of Backgroundchecksexpress.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you for having me, Adam. I, I enjoyed it. Nice and talking to you. Take you care. bet. You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please be sure to check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game.